Hello and welcome to this Tech Blast episode, the series delivering 15-minute overviews of an issue in the lab and the solutions available to help you through it. I'm Annie Colson, Digital Editor at Biotechniques and the host of today's podcast. In this episode, supported by ProSci Incorporated, we'll be discussing single domain antibodies and the various applications they can be used for. Our guests today are David Ealing and Andy Lee. David, Andy, it's great to have you both on the show. Nice to be here. Thanks for having us. So to start us off, could you please just introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your role at ProSci? My name is Andy Lee. Um, I've been at ProSci now for seven to eight years or so. I built our single domain antibody program from the ground up. You know, this program takes advantages. We may talk about later uh, phage display. I have pushing 30 years of experience in that area. I guess technically speaking, I'm the manager of our, certainly the single domain antibody group, but I have other roles at the company as well. And I'm David. Um, I've been with ProSci for six years now. I have a PhD in molecular genetics biochemistry. been making antibodies for quite some time. actually was introduced to Dr. Gang at UCSD doing a postdoc, who's our CEO. He's, he went on to make ProSci. I made antibodies for several other companies and then re-engaged him over the last few years to help out with uh, business development. Okay, great. Thank you. And so for people that may not have come across single domain antibodies before, let's go back to basics. What are single domain antibodies? You know, they are, are very special antibodies, very unique. They're originally discovered in camels in the 90, 89, late 80s, early 90s. Let me tell you how they're different from conventional antibodies, the ones that most people are used to. Conventional antibodies have heavy chain and a light chain two different polypeptide chains that come together and through disulfide bonds form a single molecule that's bivalent. Camels or camelid type animals do make those antibodies as well, just like us. There are 150 kilodaltons in size on average, but camelids also make what are known as single domain antibodies. They're heavy chain only antibodies. They do not have a light chain associated with them. So they're made from a single polypeptide chain they also come together through disulfide bond, but it's only the heavy chain. Through molecular techniques, we can clone out just the binding domain of those antibodies, which in the end is only 15 kilodaltons in size or, or even less. So about one-tenth the size of a conventional antibody. David, did you want to add anything? In regards to the origins of single domains, you know, the Camelid family has these unique antibodies with heavies alone. Half their repertoire, I believe, is traditional antibodies like you and I, but half are just heavies alone. And as Andy said, we've utilized phage display in order to generate basically a 15 kilodalton peptide that acts like a, a strong antibody. These often have longer CDR3 regions and stability, which I'm sure we'll touch upon downstream. And... What applications are single domain antibodies involved in? So we get interest from all fields in regards to the development of single domain antibodies uh, with their unique characteristics, the therapeutics, the diagnostics, imaging, uh, chaperones for crystallography. Those are the main ones, but certainly for all aspects of research. But as you'll see with the, some of the attributes that they have, those are the arms that are most interested in developing them at this time. One thing that people seem to like a lot about these is that, number one, they're very easy to produce in bacteria. So there's a big cost savings there, potentially downstream for any diagnostic or therapeutic applications. You know, we, we get a lot of unique inquiries, as David was saying, from 
people that want to have the sequences of these so that they can genetically manipulate them later. They're very amenable to that. They can be put in different formats. You can make multimers of them. You can tag them onto an FC so you can make the molecule bivalent. Um, that kind of gets away from, you know, the size difference, which is a unique feature of these, which a lot of people like for various reasons. I like that aspect as far as the multimeric uh, possibilities, because a lot of people are making SCFEs, which may not be the easiest to form, but having just a single chain to be able to be utilized for bispecific CAR-T, et cetera, makes these single domains quite attractive for that area of therapeutics. Yeah, single domain antibodies are very easily genetically manipulated. You know, we have a lot of customers that that like to put these on cell surfaces, kind of like a pseudo receptor to allow interactions between cells that the opposing cell may have the target that the antibody binds to, but it allows those cells to get very close to one another. That is important in a lot of researchers' applications. Single domain antibodies can be produced intracellularly inside plant cells even. So th there are a ton of different applications. And so what characteristics of single domain antibodies make them ideal for the applications that you've just mentioned? So therapeutics, that sort of thing. Certainly size is a big consideration of a lot of researchers. If you want to potentially use these things in any kind of imaging studies, that's kind of a new frontier where conventional antibodies have already been taken advantage of of being radio labeled. But the problem with conventional antibodies is that they're not cleared very quickly from the body. So the size difference here, one-tenth the size, can allow them to be cleared quite quickly from the body through the kidneys. So the background in this kind of imaging work goes down tremendously, as well as just the overall burden on the body. Another thing on the imaging side is not just like in vivo type imaging or radiography and things like that, but there's the, the imaging side of things where people are looking at cellular structures and things like this. Because these antibodies are much smaller compared to conventional antibodies, they seem to be able to give much higher resolution in those types of images. There's a lot of distinguishing characteristics for the single domain antibodies. Of course, they are recombinant antibodies when we make them, so we're going to have the DNA. Uh, you don't need a lot of imaging to get started, despite the size of the animal. So the recombinant makes it very easy to produce larger quantities of these, if that's of need. And then we talked about the different arenas that are using it. The therapeutics are excited about it because of the stability. Some of them do have extra disulfide bonds. Many of them are very uh, stable at extreme temperatures and extreme pHs. So we've got interest in a variety of therapeutics, perhaps even in the gut. They're so small, they go past the BBB. So the therapeutics are interested in neurological ailments and trying to maybe remedy them with single domains. Wanted to mention also uh, unique epitopes because they're so small, they can actually penetrate into the targets of interest. They like conformational epitopes. And as such, they often bring functionality to the single domain. So if you want to turn something off or turn something on, uh, you may be able to do it with development of these single domain antibodies. Another good thing about single domain antibodies, as David mentioned, was their ability to bind unique epitopes. They're very, very good at binding three-dimensional surfaces, such as, you know, clefts and valleys on the surface of a protein. And that does make them good at, say, being functional antibodies because many receptor ligand interactions have those type of concave structures on their surface. Many enzymes have pockets. So these, these single domain antibodies are very, very good at finding those types of epitopes. They have an elongated CDR3 in general, so it can really stick out there and find those pockets.
much, much better than conventional antibodies. And how can single domain antibodies improve research, therapeutics and diagnostics, for example, in the battle against infectious diseases? Well, we can take an example from some in-house work that we've done. Other labs have done it as well. But, you know, with the whole pandemic, we've developed some single domain antibodies against SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. Again, because of the concave structure of the binding domain of the spike protein, we very easily pulled out single domain antibodies against that structure. We've shown that some of those can block infection. So this is just one example of, you know, kind of a timely example of how these antibodies can potentially lead to therapeutics. So, On the yeah. diagnostic side of things, although it hasn't become mainstream yet, but these lateral flow assays, all these tests out there, one good thing, as we've talked about earlier, is that single domain antibodies are very, very stable. So it will make those types of assays, number one, not so environmentally dependent as far as temperature is concerned. Also, the cost of production is much, much lower than a conventional antibody because you can make these things easily in bacteria. So that's a whole nother field that has yet to really blossom. You know, a lot of researchers out there, both therapeutic and diagnostic, you know, the FDA has a certain process that they follow and people just want plug and play things. And it takes somebody that is kind of on the cutting edge that wants to break through that to be that maverick to get things through the FDA. But once that first happens, if it hasn't happened already, you're going to see a slew of these types of products come through. It's just a matter of time. And then adding to what Andy said, you know, we, we talked about stability having great characteristics to lend this towards therapeutics as well as diagnostics. On the therapeutic side, it's very small. It gets in, it penetrates very effectively. It is cleared quite rapidly with the kidney cutoff at 60 KD or so. And these guys coming in at 15 KD. But yet it's still pretty exciting that it gets in, gets everywhere and gets cleared quickly. There's plenty of people that are playing around with maybe keeping it around longer, but that is kind of a unique characteristic that lends well to therapeutics. And then reemphasizing Andy's thoughts on the diagnostics, the stability, we're able to see these single domain antibodies actually be stable at room temperature for prolonged periods of time. So getting a point of care like lateral flow, for example, getting it out into the field and not having to worry about refrigeration is very exciting. Also on those lines, we've had some interest in developing antibodies to uh, venoms. Uh, obviously, most of the people that are getting hit with these snakes are out in the field and not close to a hospital. So getting some anti-venom that is stable at room temperature would be pretty much a game changer as far as uh, being able to save some of these guys that are getting hit by snakes out into the field. Another good thing about these single domain antibodies is, you know, when you go through the process of selecting them through phage display, this is usually through a, an immune library. So we typically will immunize a llama or an alpaca, make our libraries select for binders using phage display technology. Once you select those, it's very, very easy to find antibodies that are already relatively high affinity. They're already in the low nanomolar range. Now, granted, these are monovalent, but they still have reasonable affinities if you genetically manipulate them then to become multimers of some sort and obviously increase that avidity effect. What are some unique applications that you've developed single domain antibodies for? One unique application is biosensors. So uh, detection using biosensors, it's, it's kind of a form of ELISA's, but you can actually use these single domains on these chips to pack them in a little bit more high affinity 
And again, back to stability and being able to do it basically at room temperature makes it very appetizing for the point of care and in particular the biosensors on the diagnostic side. Yeah, and to David's point on the biosensors, some of these biosensors, not only are you able to pack more molecules per surface area to make it more sensitive, but actually, since the molecules are smaller, sometimes biosensors depend upon how close your target molecule is to the biosensor. So when this thing is, you know, when a single domain antibody is one-tenth the size, that can affect the sensitivity of those biosensors as well. Another unique application we've seen are people that are interested in targeting, let's say, animal infectious diseases, where they can put these single domain antibodies, say, in animal feed, which can lead to reduction in certain types of respiratory diseases, say, chicken housing, things like this. So again, that takes advantage of the stability issue at room temperature, potentially getting through the gut or just overall unique qualities of these single domain antibodies. So You know, really, we learn every day from the inquiries we get from researchers for projects about the types of new applications people are thinking of. That's one of the great things of what, you know, I like about working as ProSci is that we have the ability to to work with multiple scientists on multiple different types of projects, which is, you know, from my, if you want to call it selfish standpoint, is more stimulating to me. You get to work on so many interesting projects with different people and help them get what they want and what they need to do their research or to get their therapeutic or to get their diagnostic. So it's it's actually quite fulfilling. How do you see single domain antibodies developing or being used in the future? You know, as we talked about earlier, this is kind of the beginning of the stages, I think, of this whole single domain antibody field. It's coming to a nexus, if you will. You know, first we had polyclonal antibodies where things were just injected into animals and serum harvested and then purified. Then we came to mouse monoclonals. Now we're reaching this stage where things need to be highly characterized in the antibody field, especially in the area where people are using these things as reagents. They want to be able to count on their reproducibility. And a lot of people in the antibody field will tell you that, you know, you buy these antibodies that are against a certain target, that you buy them from different companies, and they could be exactly the same antibody. You know, there's so many resellers out there that really what needs to happen, and there have been proposals to this, is to have actual antibody sequences published or at least a reference to the actual sequence. If you don't want to give the sequence away, at least you say this is some designated sequence so that everybody's making the same antibody. You know exactly what you're buying. This is the the beginning of single domain antibody. So they just come off patent in the last several years. So it's an open field. People are thinking of brand new applications for these every day. So we're glad to be at the forefront of this. You know, we're, we're very happy to help researchers get what they want. They're the ones with the best and brightest ideas of how to use these things, especially now that they're available to everybody. In regards to the future single domains, we're definitely going to see interest within the therapeutics. Thrombocytopenia has been approved for use within Europe. I think in the future, you'll see more and more on the therapeutic side for the single domain antibodies because of the unique attributes that we described. CAR-T, bispecifics, and a whole other array of uh, therapeutics are possible with the single domains. And then on the point of care, that those characteristics of stability really uh, make it exciting for getting it out there into the field for lateral flow, maybe increasing the, the dynamic range for those who are working with biosensors. And then, of course, we also have interest for crystallography for chaperones 
and, and imaging as well. So there's a whole gamut of interesting arenas where single domains are, are going to be used effectively and their attributes are going to be used to really expand our knowledge and our ability to, uh, to treat disease. Yeah, so it sounds like a really exciting field and there'll be some really big developments in the next year. So yeah, watch this yeah. space. So David, Andy, it's been great talking to you both. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks very much for having us. <laughs> if you would like to find out more about single domain antibodies, then check out the InFocus on the topic at www.biotechniques.com. Thank you for listening and goodbye.